Welcome to Real Talk with Bishop Brown. Our hope is that you are blessed and that your relationship with God continues to grow and flourish. The next voice that you'll hear will be that of Bishop Brown. Thank you for listening. Would you stand and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke? Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. Beginning in verse 8. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. The word of God reads, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is the word. Of the Lord. You may have your seats with your Bibles open. As we continue and I suppose conclude the series entitled Here Comes the Sun. Here Comes the Sun. I don't know about you, but I can remember as a child, my grandmother, my maternal grandmother, having in her house where we gathered every Christmas Eve, a Christmas tree. It was not a live tree. but it was an aluminum foil tree. I I don't know the, 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 the psyche of having an aluminum foil tree. That was supposed to be a tree. If that were not enough, she had this color wheel. You you, you got to be on up in age to remember this. Color wheel, which was a plastic plate with red, blue, and green 
and there was a light behind the plate that if, it, if you weren't careful, it would melt the plastic plate. The color wheel would change. It was pointed in the direction of the tree. And I, and I don't quite know what function, what role. I don't know if that's supposed to represent the changing of the seasons. It was normal then. When I look back on it now, I'm wondering, what, what were we trying to accomplish with that? I have fond memories of it now because not only was there the aluminum foil tree, but then there were aluminum foil decorations. There were streams of... There were streams of something, I guess. Tinsel, that's what it was. Somebody else. <laughs> and, then, and then there were, of course, the aluminum bowls. Yeah. Um, and I can remember us as a family sitting at the table and at the bar, we had a lot of people there, and 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 everybody uh, seemed to be okay with the tree. Now that I look back on it, everybody pretended like it was a real tree. Isn't it amazing how if we choose? to tell our minds something is real. We can make ourselves believe anything. I've learned that, 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 that the devil, Satan, Lucifer, specializes in Creating distraction. He, he specializes in bait and switch. He, he specializes in deception. So that he can influence our thinking. And cause us to reject reality as God has revealed it, and accept fantasy to the extent we go in wholeheartedly with the fantasy and pretend that the reality does not exist. Or at best, that the fantasy and the reality can coexist. Right now, around the world, there are people of all ages and of all stages that are totally sold out that this season that we call Christmas has more to do with Santa Claus 
than it has to do with the Savior. And we spend as a nation for sure, and I don't even know the numbers around the world, but we spend quite a few billion dollars to perpetuate the fantasy. What Santa Claus gets you this year? What, 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 I mean, deception. It's not a new thing for him because he's been deceiving humanity since Eve. When he convinced Eve to buy into the lie that you can disobey God and still do well. And that has perpetuated to this very day. This lie that you can live in disobedience to God and still do well. See, we've confused um, doing well with being well. We've confused the fact that we have not dropped dead with believing we're alive. I've, I've used this illustration I don't know how many times. These beautiful poinsettias, and certainly we praise God for Sister Ethel Hopkins and her staff, her team for, for, for beautifying the, the facility, but I'll just take, I'm just going to borrow one of these. I just pulled this off. Now, I could, if I could put it back, I would. You couldn't tell today that this leaf is not as alive as the rest of the bunch by looking at it right now. But just because it looks alive doesn't mean it's living. The deception. The deception that, that, that you can live disconnected from God and still be good. I'm enamored, I think I mentioned this last week, with the, the, the show, the animated show entitled A Charlie Brown Christmas. Been loving it for years. Came out in 1965. I was two years old. Don't remember it then. But from a young kid, I remember watching this, this show. And, and, and... And there's one scene in particular where they are fighting the, 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 the Charlie Brown, the Peanuts kids and cast were fighting against Charlie Brown because he went and bought a tree that really looked more like, uh, like, 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 a, like a dying plant. And, 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 but his heart was that he, he didn't want to always focus on the trees that everybody else focused on, you know, the big and bold and, and, and beautiful trees. No, he saw this one little lonely tree 
and said, you know what? We can use that tree in our, in our play. And so he brought it in and expected everybody to be excited about it as he was. And uh, to the contrary, they, they called him blockhead. They, they said, you're stupid. I mean, they went in on, on Charlie. To the extent that, that, that Charlie started asking the question, well, what is Christmas all about? What is Christmas all about? If it's not about, you know, a, a, a focus on that which is perhaps uh, lonely and, and that which is in need, what is Christmas all about? Why, why are y'all in such chaos? Why are y'all, why are you guys so, why are y'all tripping? Reverend Linus. said, I know what Christmas is all about. Linus took his blanket, kind of set it to the side, walked to the middle of the stage. He said, lights, please. I remember it now. <laughs> and from that stage, Linus preached the gospel to millions of people. And the gospel that he preached was from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. And so I, I want to just borrow from Reverend Linus's sermon and just give us three things that this text teaches us. I promise you, we're going to have you out of here before Christmas. Before Christmas. If y'all can hold on that long. The first thing that, that that text shows us is the proclamation. The proclamation. Notice, notice what the text says, beginning in verse 8. The Bible says... And in the same region, there were shepherds. To appreciate this, you got to know who the shepherds were. Shepherds were on the low end of the socioeconomic ladder. They were um, not highly regarded at all. Um, they were dirty. They smelled because they worked with sheep. Yeah. Uh, every shepherd ought to smell like their sheep. And sheep don't smell good. I know the images we see of sheep are they're cute and they're cuddly and they're they're uh, uh, fur, I don't know if that's fur or whatever they did. But 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 sheep are dirty animals. Sheep are also what some would call dumb animals. Physiologically, anatomically, biologically, they are top-heavy. So if a sheep falls, often they cannot get up on their own. So they are dumb animals. They are dirty animals. They are dependent animals. 
They have to have a shepherd. They have to have somebody looking out for them because sheep don't have the capacity to really fight. They don't have the capacity to uh, run fast, and uh, they are prime meat for uh, wolves, foxes, so on and so forth. And so shepherds' jobs are, are they're, not, they're not highly coveted jobs. Nobody is filling out an application, I want to be a shepherd. But notice, the text says, in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field doing what? Keeping watch over their flock by night. By night. You talk about you talk about working the graveyard shift. Shepherds were watching over their flocks by night. Why by night? Because you know who come out at night. Somebody just woke up. I think it was Ray Charles that said, "You know, the nighttime is the right time." And I really, I can't even figure out what else he says there. But the point is, um, at night is when most of the predators come out looking for the easy target of a sheep. And so, and so sheep here, while literally they are sheep, they are figuratively representatives of you and I. They are representative of humanity. So watch then now, in light of that reality, these shepherds are keeping watch over their flock by night. I tell you one thing, I'm going to throw this in parenthetically. You should be grateful that you have a shepherd that watches over your soul by night, that talks to the Lord on your behalf by night, certainly by day, but by night. Got a call from a member last night. She knew she could reach to reach her pastor. And so here they are keeping watch over the flock by night and an angel of the Lord, an angel of the Lord, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. Interesting, uh, this angel of the Lord uh, shows up. The glory of the Lord is shining around them. Uh, and the shepherds uh, are filled with fear. What is it about being in the presence of divine uh, that causes such great fear? Well, why is it that, 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 that even today... Uh, there are people who are essentially afraid to come to church, afraid to come into the presence of God, very likely because when you come into the presence of God, God reveals to us not only who he is, but who we are. Has he ever revealed to you who you really are? I'm not talking about your representative of who you got people thinking you are. I'm talking about who you really are. And I don't know if there's anybody in this house besides me that would be willing to testify that, that on my best day, 
I'm a sinner. Praise God, I'm saved. But, 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 but the real me. The real me is in such need of the Savior. The real me. Ah, oh God. Uh, let me stop before I confess too much. And the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy. No, notice the phrasing here. The news is good. Consequently, the joy is great. Ah, I mean, listen, listen, listen. I don't know what you're really looking for in life. But there are very few things uh, that, that are good news uh, that result in great joy. I know we go after it. I know we're pursuing it. I know we want it because we look for great joy uh, in all the wrong places. Ask me how I know because I have been there where I've looked for joy. I've looked for purpose. I've looked for peace. I've looked for satisfaction uh, in all the wrong places. And I don't know if I've looked in as many wrong places as you have. It really doesn't matter. The reality is uh, I have passed by life trying to find life. I wish y'all would act like y'all really uh, can at least identify. But, but here, this angel says, I bring you good news of great joy. Watch this. That will be for all the people. Why is this message of good news resulting in great resulting in great joy for all the people? I, I, I tell you one reason why is because all the people need it. No wonder Jesus says in Matthew 28, go therefore and make disciples of who? Of all nations. Not just y'all's nation. Every nation, every people group, every, every, every ethnic group, every, anybody that's a body uh, is who this good news is for. And it does not matter if they were born into a Muslim family or a Catholic family or a, or a, or a non-English speaking family. The good news is still for them. Some of you sitting in here right now did not necessarily grow up in a Christian home. But the good news is for you. And so, and so what, what, let me tell you what really amazes me about this proclamation, especially as it relate, relates to the shepherds. The shepherds were the first people, the first people group that this good news went to. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You mean the first people were not the rich and the famous? You mean to tell me that the, the good news was not for the highfalutin and the, and the socially upstanding? 
wait a minute, you mean to tell me that this great news that is going to be for all the world started with the likes of a lowly shepherd? Well, in the words of Woodrow from Sanford and Son, what does that tell you? It tells me that as high as our God is, the old preacher used to say, he sits high and he looks low. He came for the low. He came for the, 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 the locked up and the locked out. And he came for the ones that society even had discarded. Because if he, came, if he comes for the lowest, then, then, then absolutely everybody else would be included. He's not exclusive. He's not restrictive. He's bringing this gospel to the whole world. This baby that we're about to hear about uh, is not just a baby for Baptists. He's a ba he was a baby born for the ultimate sins of the world. And that includes me. Ah, oh God, I'm, 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 I'm digging too deep in the weeds right now. For unto you, is born this day in the city of David. I wish I had time to talk about why that's so important. Needless to say, it was a connection to the Davidic legacy and heritage that was promised to David that, that there would always be a, an offspring of his on the throne. And, and so now... Uh, it is being declared ultimately that this son that is born is going to be, or is rather, the ultimate heir of David. Oh, God. I, I, that, that, all that to say, God always keeps his promise. Oh, come on. Somebody's in here right now, and you've read the word of God, and you've heard the promises of God, and, 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 and yet, because your circumstances don't necessarily match his promises right now, you, you've doubted, you question, you are down and depressed because the, 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 the materials on the construction site of your dreams have not shown up yet. But he keeps his promise. I wish you would just tell your neighbor, even with your mask on, God keeps his promise. Now, the neighbor that you just talked to may or may not keep their promises. The government that we're a part of does not necessarily keep its promises. The proclamation. Ah, but then within this proclamation is a revelation. It's a revelation. The proclamation, uh, 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 results in a revelation um, and and notice that he says the angel says that that unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord who is Christ 
the Lord. Yes, he's a baby, but he is Christ the Lord. Yes, he's an infant, but he's Christ the Lord. And, and this will be a sign for you. What's the sign? You will find a baby. Wait a minute. You just said that he's Christ the Lord. You just said he's Savior. You just said that this is good news with great joy for all the people. How is that going to happen with a baby? You know, it's easy to disregard the blessings that are packed in a baby. It's easy to take lightly the fact that, that your beautiful bouncing baby boy, baby girl, when they were first born, uh, could actually uh, grow up to change the world. God wraps great things in small packages. And in this case... Uh, God wrapped the salvation, the salvation of the world in the small package of an infant. A baby that cried like your baby cries. A baby that needed changing like your baby needed changing. A baby that had to be fed, very likely breastfed, like perhaps yours did or was or is. And yet, there was something different about this baby. There was something special about this baby. Yes, he cried. Yes, he got hungry. Yes, he experienced pain. Yes, he probably, as a kid, fell down and scratched his knee. He did all things that we and our children do. But there is yet something, something different about this baby. I, I don't know if you've seen the baby, if you've met this baby, if you've had an encounter with this baby. But, but there's something special about this baby. There's something different about this infant. There, there is something about this baby that you can't necessarily see the difference on the outside. You, you can't necessarily, he's got ten fingers, ten toes, he's got two eyes and one nose and two, but, but there's yet something different. All babies ain't created equal. And that's how we feel about our own babies, aren't that right? Yeah, um... You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger, lying in a manger. Um, and suddenly, and suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host doing what? Praising God. Mind you. This baby has not yet performed a miracle. Fact about it, he is a miracle. He's the only baby in the world that is as old as his father and older than his mother. I'm telling you something special about this baby. And, 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 and the baby is so special that, that the heavenly hosts, those who have been with God since God created them to be with him, they understood that, that this is no ordinary baby, this is no ordinary day, and so they responded by praising God. Here we are 2,000 years later gathered in the house of the one 
who is this baby, and somersaults have to be performed to get us to praise God for this baby. I mean, the, the, the singers got to, got, to, got, got to pop veins in their head, got to do all kinds of stuff. The preacher has to sweat his good suit out just to get us to appreciate, to, to, to praise God for sending the baby. What, 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 why is it so hard to get us to, to praise God for the baby? Why does it take so much to get us to bless the Lord for the baby? Perhaps you don't understand that in this baby is salvation for the world wrapped up in it. I know the text says that he's wrapped in swaddling cloths. But that was only for a moment. Because the reality is, is that God wrapped up in this baby salvation. Is there anybody here right now that understands that your salvation came in a package called a baby? Is there anybody here that understands that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. I thank God for the baby because this baby would become my company keeper. This baby became my mind regulator. This baby became my bridge through troubled waters. This baby, though he needed to be fed, is my bread. This baby, though he got thirsty, is my living water. This baby, though he needed to be changed, has changed me. Anybody here know about the baby? There was the proclamation. There was the revelation. But then there was the celebration. I dare you today to have a party right here, right now. Celebrating not Santa Claus. Celebrating not Rudolph Nim. Celebrating no other person but Jesus the Christ. Anybody here got a praise? Got a thank you? Anybody here know that the baby has changed your life? Come on here. Give God some praise. Give God some glory. I thank God for the gift of the baby. I'm glad when I get a few toys and a few trinkets. But if I never, ever, never get another gift from you or my family, I've got enough gift. I've got enough present. I've got enough to keep me celebrating for the rest of my time on earth and in eternity. You can't stop me from praising God. You can't hold me from giving God glory because you don't know what he had to deliver me from. Anybody in the house got a story, got a testimony? Have you been saved? Have you been delivered? Have you been changed? Here comes the son. 
be bold with it. The choir sang a song, go tell it. Don't keep the truth about this baby to yourself. He came for all the people. Lottie Dottie and everybody. Pookie Junebug. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that I know the real meaning of Christmas. The real meaning of Christmas ain't found in the mall. The real meaning of Christmas is not found in a stocking. Not found in a gift under the tree. He's, in, he's the gift that hung on the tree. Don't, don't, don't you get so caught up in the cuteness of the baby story. The real meaning of Christmas. Unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. And I'm so glad that he's mine. If you're able to do so, would you all stand with me? How we celebrate our Savior. Lord, we just thank you that you know and knew the condition of the world. And you knew exactly what we need. So you dispatched your own son, your totally unique son, you put him in flesh to identify with us, yet without sin to identify with you. born of a virgin that there would be no human tainting oh how you love us oh how you love us that you would subject your son to the limitations of human flesh mm. So, Father, because you've come for all of us, that means everybody in this room, you've come for. You've sent Jesus for. It doesn't matter where we've been or what we've done, how long we've done it. Jesus came for us. One day he's coming back. 
He's either coming back for us individually or he's coming back for us collectively. Either way, he's coming back. And, and because he may come back for us individually, we really don't know when he's coming. Which means if we have not invited Jesus to be our, if we've not put our trust in Jesus. <laughs> once you come back for us individually and we've not given our life to you. We don't get to spend eternity with you. So Father, I pray right now. For every man, woman, boy, girl who may be in this, in my, in this, in this place, I pray, oh God, that you will begin to work on their hearts. That you will begin, Lord, to challenge their minds and cause them to really think about the reality of their destiny. Father, if there's somebody here right now that does not have a relationship with you, I'm not talking about a regular church member necessarily. I'm talking about that woman who does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Would you first right now, Lord, prick their hearts and cause them at least to acknowledge don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I've been to church before. I've read the Bible before. But I don't have a relationship. And Father, when they come to that place, would you give them the humility to acknowledge that reality that they don't have a relationship, but to also acknowledge their desire to have a relationship. And let them know, God, that it's possible right now. In fact, all you've given us is right now. As I've just prayed, friends, if you are not sure or if you know for a fact that you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm asking you to simply raise your hand in this house. I'm not going to ask you to make a speech. I'm not going to ask you. To, I'm not going to put you on the spot. I just want you to acknowledge to God and before witnesses, Pastor, I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If that sounds like you, let me see your hand. Let me see your hand. Don't Look, there's nobody in here worth trying to fool. I'm going to tell you that right now. Nobody in this house is worth trying to fool. Don't go to hell trying, trying to blend in. Get it straight with you right now. If I'm talking to you, let me see your hand. Let me see your hand. Okay, so maybe, maybe, maybe I'm not the one that you'll respond to. So here's what I need. If you're a believer in this house, let me see your hand. If you're a believer, you have a relationship with Christ. Mm, okay, that's a lot of y'all. That's a lot of y'all. That's a lot of y'all. Are you willing to stake your eternity? on your present relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah, I see less hands now. That's cool. Let me just say this. Listen, 
I've never been one to play Russian roulette. From, the, from my first awareness of that so-called game, as something I've never wanted to do. When you are not sure of your salvation, you are playing a game akin to Russian roulette. The stakes are higher than Russian roulette. And I'm praying right now that you will stop playing that game and enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I ask again, if you're not completely 100% sure that if you died right now, you would, you would spend eternity in heaven with Christ. If you're not 100% sure, would you just raise your hand right where you are? Father, you've extended opportunity. And while I cannot read the hearts of people, you can. And so, Lord, if all of the people who raise their hands are indeed in relationship with you, God, I praise you right now. But, Father, if one or some don't have that relationship, I pray, oh God, that you would bring them into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And I pray, God, that you would do it today. We thank you. We praise you. We worship you and adore you. For it's in the name of Jesus, who is our Christ, that we pray and praise you. The people of God shout it out loud. Amen. Come on, give God some praise. Thank you for listening to Real Talk with Bishop Brown. We hope that you were blessed. If you would like to accept Christ, join our church, help continue the work we are doing in our ministries, watch live on Sundays, find us on social media, or give online, you can visit the link in the episode description. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.